talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Rick Mon is locked and loaded on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Uh-huh. Thursday, the 22nd of February. 2024 this is tnt i'm feeling a little giddy this morning i don't know why haven't been doing drugs haven't been drinking haven't drank coffee haven't been eating sugar but somehow i don't know my brain's a little bit doolally today but you're gonna have to just bear with me as the saying goes this is locked and loaded natalie will be back fingers and toes crossed on monday uh and also tomorrow i shall be flying solo for both hours a double bill of locked and loaded if you will just like it was back in the day back in the day it was ricky flying solo sometimes for up to four hours so it's a little relief now that it's only two i'm happy about that not happy happy call it what you want but anyway whoever you are wherever you are whatever you're doing and whatever you're doing i really hope it's nice and pleasant and positive and uplifting uh, you're very welcome to join us here on the good ship TNT as we navigate through the turbulent waters of life for at least, you know, the next two hours, I hope, as long as we don't run into rocks or sink or even worse, get torpedoed by one of our many growing numbers of enemies out there. Listen, if you have no enemies, if people aren't complaining about you, if you're not getting attacked, you're doing it all wrong. Yeah, you're doing it all wrong. My first job was in sales, financial sales. And I remember one day my district manager pulled me into the office and he said, Mon, there's been a complaint against you. And I said, oh, man, Jim, what was it? He said, listen, don't worry about it. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. He said, a salesman's not a real salesman until someone starts complaining about him. So it's almost like uh, it was my initiation into financial services when people started complaining about the advice I was giving. It actually made my boss quite happy. So there you go. And as uh, someone once said, who was it? Who's that guy that does all the quotes? Every He says that every quote is basically by him, but he said, there's only one thing worse than people talking about you, and it's people not talking about it so feel free to talk away about tnt feel free to detract us feel free to negatively run us into the ground it only makes us stronger so anyway uh what's going on today well uh action-packed double bill uh gem will be on in just a second uh lembit opic is going to give us a rundown on the events of the last two days both from being on the ground with tnt in london and also what's been going on in the aftermath of the assange hearings uh stephen kelly will be joining me before the top of the hour from sydney in australia he works for uh, afl solicitors tony nicklick and co looking at uh the dismissal really of uh, investigation into excess deaths in australia compensation schemes that may be available for people that have been the vaccine injured and of course get his thoughts on assange then the second hour open line or locked and loaded sorry the second hour we have Gemma again and we have raja mia for the very first time uh he's quite a character i'm looking forward to talking to him and also ben pyle shall be joining me so lots to play for here i need to just give myself a little shake <laughs> compose myself and brace myself also for the roller coaster that lies ahead here on tn delivering the facts source i can trust today's news talk radio tnt tnt 
Sometimes you just got to have fun, don't you, Gemma? You just got to laugh or else you're going to cry, don't you? So I'm going to have a little fun today. What do you say we have a little bit of fun, eh? Do you know what? I've been in quite a mischievous mood myself uh, here in mm. my studio. Uh, and it was Oscar Wilde, by the way. The only thing uh, worse than being talked about is not being talked about. Yeah, Oscar Wilde. I mean, he came out with some great ones, didn't he? Um, but yeah, let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. I think, you know, we secured a win at uh, just outside the hard courts oh, yeah. yesterday with our broadcasting. Uh, I think we should celebrate that. And, uh, you know, Sonia Poulton, I was chatting to her earlier on the UK Breakfast Show. How many people know about TNT? I don't care mm-hmm. if people are slagging us off. You know, we are winning this. We are taking on the mainstream after two years in broadcasting. Two years. Two years as a station. So many people coming up. So uh, yesterday to the TNT team outside the Royal Courts of Justice saying they listen, they watch, they've got it on the app. You know, the whole thing is just gathering this huge momentum. It's absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, let's have some fun. We're heading to the weekend, Rick. We're heading to the weekend. We are. And, you know, it is interesting to track the growth uh, of TNT as well. And and let's not forget, uh, there was a premiere as well on Sunday, I think it was, in London of the uh, Assange movie that was released. And uh, that was very well attended also. There's a very heavy TNT presence there as well. And a lot of the guests that we're going to be, have been talking to this week and will be talking to over the next few weeks uh, have been as a result of, uh, how would you say, networking that was done while we were on the ground in London town. So, yeah, big uh, props, by the way, to the people that were on the ground, the people that were making it happen. Charlotte, Mike Rand was over. Uh, we had uh, Lembit, we had Sonia, Abe, David Curtin, many other people dropping into the studios. Uh, it was great. Uh, it was really actually the last few days I felt has been vital. What we've done over the last few days has been vital. Not that it's not always vital, but it was a particular importance riding on the last few days. And I think uh, we did a damn fine job. So big uh, virtual TNT salute to all those on the ground. And of course, yourself uh, nailing down the news coverage uh, like an absolute trooper uh, for the last, uh, well, six months but especially this week it's been a mad old week hasn't it i think you'll be glad to see friday night Gemma. oh i don't know i like it i really did feel like you know i don't want to hark back to my old days in the lame stream you know the legacy ever but i felt like it was proper journalism there's no doubt about that because the the whole point of journalism is there's not one side to a story there's not two sides to a story there are often three four five six fifty sides to a story and i think the amount of commentators and analysis that we had as our guests looking at the Assange uh, situation, uh, how it's developed over the last 14 years, was in stark contrast to how the mainstream were interviewing some of those same people. Um, And we gave people the chance and the space to really, you know, explore the case properly. Uh, And and the mainstream just wanted to clamp down on them and put their their narrative on top of what the guest's expertise was. We didn't do that. We did it the opposite way around. And I do think that's where our strength really does lie. So I really felt like we're doing, oh my God, I'm back. This is the thing I trained for when I was 25 you know when I was 25 I trained in this profession because I thought I could change the world naively now you know at the grand old age of pushing 53 I finally feel like I'm doing it properly so you know it's been a great week as far as I'm concerned and it's not over yet yeah, there's a buzz. Uh, there's a buzz going on, and it's a good buzz to have because we don't always have these good times. And it's like everyone out out there that's listening in at the minute, you know, enjoy the highs when you have them because they help you sometimes through the lows. Because you know, life's a roller coaster. You're not always at the top. You're not always at the bottom. Sometimes you're in between both of those. But it's nice, even when you're getting it tight. We have this saying in Northern Ireland: if you're going through a rough time, you say you're getting it tight. So when you're getting it tight, sometimes you can draw on reminiscing on, you know, thinking back on the good times. And it does get you through. 
the bad times and the best thing is Gemma all this is on video video library so if you're feeling really depressed someday you know get yourself a big bottle of something and a big bag of crisps get yourself onto the city get your slippers on and binge not Netflix but binge <laughs> on TNT replace I mean like what more can anyone ask for come on what more could you want Weekend of TNT replace. <laughs> You'll be getting a bonus off the back of this one, Rick. I think you're doing enough plugging for TNT to last a lifetime. I used to be a very successful salesperson because I used to really get excited about the product, and people used to go, oh, "Give me it, give me it, give me it." They didn't even know what they were buying half the time, but they wanted it. So that's what I'm trying to do here with TNT. But anyway, uh, enough sales pitching for this morning. Uh, let's move on to the story you have at hand. Finally, possibly justice is being done for some people traffickers, although the real culprits, you know, I believe, are the governments who allow this to happen. However, it seems to be some justice is being served over in Germany. Am I correct on that? Well, yeah, I mean, this happened uh, yesterday, a series of huge dawn raids across Germany, but the details are only just coming out now and we're, we're expecting more detail from European police later on. But one of the biggest and most active, apparently, uh, uh, rings of human traffickers uh, who smuggled tens of thousands of illegal immigrants uh, through the English Channel in small boats has been busted in a major European police raid. I mean, the amount of officers involved is staggering. So Europol, who's the international police agency that's overseen this, said that Yesterday, a thousand police officers from Germany, France, and Belgium. That's a thousand, not 10 banging down a door with a battering ram, not a hundred on a large scale, maybe drugs bust, but a thousand officers, um, uh, including some elite special forces, actually, uh, staged a series of dawn raids across properties and storage centers in Germany. Um, the whole operation has been one and a half years in the planning. That's a quiet, so it's a big, big police operation. Uh, and they uh, they seized uh, people of Iraqi and Kurdish uh, origins, network of people smugglers who have been um, suspected for quite some time of smuggling illegal migrants from the Middle East and East Africa to France and the UK in, in dinghies and low quality boats. Uh, that's according to the EU law enforcement agency. As I say, the raids were carried out in a series of houses, properties and storage centres right across Germany. Uh, and 15 people have been arrested. We're expecting more details details on those 15 people today. And this is a huge network, Europol is saying, and it's connected to a big operation they did back in 2022, where they um, they investigated five European countries and then seized people there as well. Now, I think this shows the scale of the problem that the, all European uh, border agencies are up against, but particularly the UK, Ireland and, and France. So Frontex, the intelligence agency that shares data on, on immigration across Europe, said in January alone, uh, more than 3,000 uh, illegal immigrants entered the UK, uh, mostly from Iran, Afghanistan and other unknown countries. Quite interesting that actually the body of that Afghan uh, asylum seeker who converted to Christianity to stay in the UK, but he he threw acid over the, the, the woman. His body was found in the River Thames just a few days ago. He'd come over from Afghanistan. So you have to wager, you know, did he come in on one of these human trafficking operations? Not only that, Italian police yesterday arrested 12 people suspected of human trafficking from Tunisia in Northern Africa over to Europe, specifically to uh, Sicily, I think. 
Uh, they were coming over between June and September last year in speedboats, which is very interesting, uh, up to 20 people on speedboats paying up to £5,000 each. And of course, June to September is holiday season. So when you see a speedboat rushing towards a European coastline, you don't think human trafficking. You think, oh, that's somebody on holiday having a nice time. That's somebody on their way to a super yacht. So this is a very sophisticated operation with arrests in Germany yesterday, arrests in Italy yesterday. doesn't mean the problem is solved, but it does look as though at least uh, there are some tightening up. Up, uh, of what's going on. But it took one and a half years to plan this. And of course, this probably is the tip, Rick, of a very big iceberg. Yeah. It, and here's the thing. If there was if there was no way that the people went, for example, when they got to Italy or when they got to Sicily or last year, there was an island called Lampedusa that was completely overrun in the Mediterranean by tens of thousands of migrants piling in there as well. These, these people who are trying to get to Europe are they know that they have to pay these people smugglers to give them passage to Europe. And then when they arrive, then they're pretty much on their own. But the reason they pay that money in the first place, Gemma, to the people smugglers is because they know that they have a shot. They have a shot of making it when they get to Europe or elsewhere. If they knew, if the message was being given loud and clear by the British government, by the Irish government, by the French government, by the German government, that if you land in Germany, you're being deported immediately. No ifs, ands, or maybes. If you arrive here illegally, you're straight back uh, out the door again. That would stop the people trafficking operations because the word would get out very quick. There's no point in me paying Gemma Cooper trafficking services or Rick Munn uh, get you over the border services because they know that as soon as they arrive where they're going, they're going to be off back home again. So as long as the governments are still keeping the borders open and being lax, this business, and it is a business, a horrible people trafficking business, will remain uh, in force because there's still money to be made and they've still got customers, unfortunately. And that's what these poor people are. They're customers that are being trafficked and they're looking for opportunity. I know that. But, you know, I've said this before, if I was sitting somewhere in the Middle East and I was looking across to Ireland or looking across to the UK and my mates were sending me videos of how good they were getting it, I would be trying to get on a boat myself again Who's to blame for all this? The traffickers, yes, they deserve to be punished and prosecuted, but the governments are the biggest people traffickers on the planet at the minute, are governments, because they're allowing this to happen. Absolutely. And that's very well said. And I also think it does involve uh, something of what we were just talking about, a sales pitch, you know, to, to, to encourage people to come over, you know, they're selling those places on those boats, especially the speedboats, you know, 5,000 pounds. I haven't got 5,000 pounds to splash no. on a speedboat trip. You know, that's a huge amount of money for someone in, the, in, in a developing country to raise. So the sales pitch has got to be pretty good of these traffickers. They have to really convince people that it is the land of milk and honey and the streets are paved with gold. And evidently they are doing that, um, you know, and I, I know what you mean, Rick, about if you were seeing your mates having it good, mm -hmm. but I do think there's a huge amount of um, coercion on the part of the traffickers to say, you know, this is this is the answer to all your problems. You can sort your family out. You can sort your friends out. You're going to earn so much money. Uh, the reality is, is not quite like that when they get here. And mm -hmm. of course, the crossings themselves um, are, are very treacherous. And obviously, we know that people die. We know that people drown. Um, but yeah, you're quite right. This is about policy, go globalist policy, as well as what people are doing in these trafficking rings. And the, the global policies 
have, have been agreed on a global level of, of, of shifting cultures around the globe, cultural destabilization. People call it multiculturalism. It's more cultural destabilization. As the acid attack in Clapham in London last month shows, the people coming from different cultures have very different attitudes towards women in some cases, very different attitudes towards family in some cases, and very different attitudes towards religion and faith and all different kinds of things that are, involve a clash of ideologies. Um, it's not easy to integrate cultures. It's a very difficult thing. And even if you think about expats from Britain moving to Spain to retire, they tend to stick with other expats. Integration is a difficult thing. It's not a simple, oh, we'll just, we'll just move cultures around and it'll all be fine. We know that. Um, but this is a huge operation. The fact it took one and a half years, though, and a huge amount of taxpayers' money, I'll wager, uh, means it's not an easy problem to solve in terms of policing. But as you say, it is a very easy problem to solve in terms of policy. If the policies were different, we wouldn't have to have the policing, would we? No, we wouldn't. We wouldn't. So, you know, uh, what do we do? We have to keep bringing this at least to people's attention and calling it out for the crime that it is. Uh, and it is a crime and it is being perpetrated at a very high level by our so-called governments. But uh, we've got to call time in this one for now. So thank you very much, Gemma. As always, we shall reconvene in the next Locked and Loaded segment in about, what, 50 50 minutes time, not even an hour. You don't even have to wait an hour to do this all again. Just 50 minutes, get the egg timer on and uh, I shall see you again in the following hour. And then Lembit Opic is uh, dive bombing his way into the TNT studio as we speak. So don't go away. Stay tuned for more here on TNT Today's News Talk. TNT's Jeremy Now. He was saying to me how he has found himself trying to unlearn and relearn a lot of what he thought he knew thanks to the COVID era. And that's precisely echoing what I've been saying. And I su suppose millions of people have been saying that. Isn't that remarkable? Yeah, the Second World War was obviously a major societal event and, and global event, etc. You know, and you know, this, in a way, what we've been through for the last four years seems to be is you have to go back to the Second World War to find something similar for people of our generation um, and, and, or people in the West, at least. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT. TNT is an independent global news talk station that does what others only say they do. TNT is a live radio and TV broadcaster that simply tells the truth 24 hours a day, seven days a week. No one in the world does what we do. Crisscrossing the globe, providing credible news and opinion all day and all night. In two and a half years, TNT has become a credible and exciting platform with brilliant hosts and staff. It's a critical time, and we must continue to call out the misinformation and propaganda from mainstream media and their powerful sponsors. We're now appealing to our many friends and supporters around the world to go to TNTradio.live and make a small donation to TNT while we seek the right investors to continue our important mission. Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7, your news talk giant, TNT. Okay, uh, here we go. It's locked and loaded. We are live. It's Thursday, the 22nd of February, 2022. And I'm happy, super happy to be joined by, a re I've been reliably informed, a warm and dry Lambert Opic. Uh, Lambert, what, what's with this reference to being warm and dry? That's a bizarre thing to say. Is there a time this week that you haven't been warm and dry, uh, perchance? 
two days in a row my friend I was standing outside the royal courts of justice if indeed there is such a thing in Britain and we had the great British weather it's not interesting weather it's not like snow or something like that it's just rainy drizzle and and wind driving all these umbrellas flying down the street uh, but that's the sacrifice we make in the name of free speech I mm -hmm. took one for the team this week but now I'm in my warm studio happy days Happy days indeed. I was about to say, listen, you, you're well you're well trained to take a little bit of drizzle and rain. You're a banger, man. Uh, I'm living there at the minute. And just the other day, I was making a little video outside uh, to do a little bit of promotion for TNT. And I was absolutely soaked through to the skin by the time I got back home again. But hey, what are you going to do? We've got to get the truth out there, no matter what the weather is, don't we? Absolutely. I wrote something for a book called Banger in the 70s. And one of my enduring memories. My wife, my wife bought me that book for Christmas. I kid I'm you not. She, yes, I know you are. She keeps saying, have you read that book yet? I says, I haven't got around. She said, Limbanopic's in that book. So I actually have that book, believe it or not. We'll skip all the other parts. Just read my bit because it's about the rain. And it's about that clinking you get when the masts and the ropes bang against yes. each other on a windy day on in Bangor. And for those around the world who haven't been to Bangor, it is actually a beautiful place, very atmospheric, and it usually rains. <laughs> there we go. I was doing the same in London uh, for the sake of justice. As you, I wasn't, I would say lighting the fuse of free speech, but it was so wet, I don't think you could have lit anything, actually. <laughs> you had to do a remote controlled uh, detonation like they used to do back in Northern Ireland. Uh, the army did at least sometimes. But uh, <laughs> Topical. <pretty> Whoa, edgy. <laughs> <laughs> have to have to drop that one in there but uh let's let's look at the the business at hand which is of course the the well it's the day after the second day of the assange hearing in london strange conclusion then but i was checking there last night there's not a wild amount of media coverage in this at the minute suffice to say that uh statements were made obviously from both sides the two judges that were uh, presiding over this have retired to have a little chat about it and i think at least as per late last night the, the the next step was they would confirm in writing what they they wanted to happen or that was going to happen next so we're in a state of a uh, little bit of limbo at the moment aren't we yes what you've said is exactly right uh, we had the two-day trial uh, both sides put their cases we did our filming outside and the demonstrators did their demonstrating now we have to find out what the judges decide and i have to tell you having spoken to the demonstrators outside there rick it's not julian assange that's on trial here he's an icon for freedom actually and freedom of expression because i would summarize the trial as follows julian assange reported things that had been leaked to him he didn't go digging for it himself so if he is extradited what that means is a journalist who thinks they have a public interest in publishing potentially embarrassing things about states such as US and UK can go to prison or face trial simply for sharing information about public servants. Who are those public servants? The politicians and the civil servants. We seem to forget in this country, Rick, that they work for us, not the other way around. Uh, so that's what I think this is all about. And I think that's what was agitating the uh, demonstrators and, and those people supporting Assange so much. Mm. Uh, and the thing about it is too, Limit, uh, there was a little news clip that played uh, just before we came on there uh, where there was talk of if, if the extradition 
is the go-ahead, God forbid. It could happen as soon as this week, depending on when these judges deliver their final uh, ruling on this one. It could literally be uh, whisked out of the UK within 24 hours, they reckon. Uh, there was talk, Stella Assange was saying that there would be a protest at the airport, that they would try and stop the plane taking off. If the judges do that, or if they do let allow him to be extradited, there's really nothing at that point will be done to stop it, uh, no matter who's protesting. Am I am I correct in saying that? There's really nothing else between them making that ruling. Of course, they can appeal again and go to human rights courts and one thing and another. But once the ruling happens, if they get him on that plane, Lambert, I think it's game over. Uh, once they get him over to America, he's never coming back. Yes, let's not pretend. The state in the United Kingdom is easily powerful enough to get the man out of the country no demonstration is going to stop that they've got a choice of airports uh they've got a choice of, of military force to use that as well if they want to but you put your finger on one other slight complication here you're right to say that the european court of human rights still does have sway in the united kingdom we won't go into the details but brexit doesn't completely absolve the uk of responsibility internationally so if there's a very speedy appeal that could slow things up but this central point, the state is clearly embarrassed by what Julian Assange has revealed. I was actually in WikiLeaks. I wasn't embarrassed by the, the, the revelations because I stand by what I had said to, as it turns out, the American embassy at the time. But the state's embarrassed and it's trying to stop Julian Assange. And one of our guests actually yesterday, when we were broadcasting live from the Royal Courts for TNT, put it very well. It's actually not even about the trial. It's about possession. Because they could try Julius Assange using the same technology that's making TNT a world force in media. They can do it remotely, but they physically want Julian Assange in America. Why? Well, the most cynical and most uh, concerned individuals say it's because once they have him there physically, then anything can happen. And they can mm. stop Julian Assange, not to put too fine a point on it, for good. There were demonstrators who were saying, if we send him to America, we send him to his death. Now, that's dramatic, but it's not completely implausible. He might suddenly mm. commit suicide, as seems to happen to enemies of the state and people with secrets. Uh, so it's a very perilous situation with Julian Assange. And back to the original and central point, the thing that makes today's news talk uh, so important, it's about free speech. And it's about holding the people that we pay their salaries for to account if they've done nothing wrong, they've nothing to fear. And I suspect that this is really about the hypocrisy of the West that loves to preach to the East about its behavior, but then gets exposed for doing similar things like spying on its allies. Yeah, the hypocrisy is off the scale on this one, uh, Lambert. We've got to take a very brief uh, headline break. When we come back at the other side, we'll look at you know the the, the 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 severity of what will be Assange's conditions. Well, they're bad enough as it is in Belmarsh, I'd say, as bad as they can get in the UK, but there's a whole other level of hell potentially awaiting for him if he goes to ADX uh, Florence, mm. which is deemed to be the worst place on earth to be locked up uh, because of the mental stress and conditions of the solitary confinement that they impose and also maybe look at uh stella Assange, and of course don't forget uh, he's a he's a father he's a husband uh, you know he's a human being before he's a journalist and before he's a whistleblower you know let's look at this from the human element as well the torture that's being inflicted upon him and upon his family uh, by the so-called us and uh, uk governments so we'll take a brief pause we'll be back in uh blink of an eye here on tnt today's news talk now's a good time to break the big news TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. 
Julian Assange's extradition hearing wrapped up in London on Wednesday, but the judges in the case are yet to make their decision, with a ruling not expected until at least mid-March. Leading US presidential candidate Donald Trump has once again voiced his opposition to sending more aid to Ukraine. And China has hit out at G20 leaders for using the forum to amplify geopolitical disagreements instead of discussing matters of global economic cooperation. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Uh, Lambert, one of the other things that I was reading uh, late, uh, you know, left it really, really late last night, just before I went to bed, um, that there could be, uh, there was no guarantees provided by America that there wouldn't be new charges introduced against Assange when he gets there, or if he gets there, sorry, because obviously it's not, uh, you know, cut and dried yet. But if he does, there could be other charges brought to him that could have potential uh, for the death penalty to be imposed. This is going to sound strange, but I don't think... They want to impose the death penalty in a sense. I think they want them to suffer as much as possible, like he has been doing over the last five years, particularly in Belmarsh. I think they're torturing him slowly, and I think they're using that uh, to fire a shot across the bows of anybody else that would maybe dare to do what he does. They want to make a real example of a sense. And sometimes death is a release, and I think at the minute, uh, you know, a release uh, would be death. It's living hell at the minute under the conditions that he's under. He is in a very difficult place, Belmarsh. And if you step back and think about this, Julian Assange's crime is one of conscience. He doesn't represent a terrorist threat. He's not going to kill anyone. If he was walking up Oxford Street in the middle of London, uh, he would be safe. Maybe he might be mobbed by his fans, but <laughs> there's no risk of him doing any actual harm to other people so already as you're saying rick there's a kind of shot across the bows of anybody who dares to take on the state in embarrassing circumstances the second point here is what could happen in america as you say america as far as i know still has guantanamo bay a place where human rights have been thrown to the wind a, a place so bad that it couldn't be built in america because it would violate america's own human rights uh, regulations and many more besides this, in my view, isn't really about punishing Assange. It is, as you suggest, Rick, warning other people, if you do what Assange did, if you embarrass the state, then we will make your life hell. And you, you mentioned it. He's a father. He's a husband. His wife very stoically made some very good speeches uh, outside the royal courts. But he is being used as an example. Here's one other irony which struck me while I was talking to the, present the uh, demonstrators. Uh, Julian Assange is being tried for publishing this information, not for the fact that he had the information. Now, a foreign power who wishes ill on America and UK could get exactly the same information and not publish it, and therefore not be in court. And that's the thing. The only thing Assange has done wrong is tell us what the United States and UK have done wrong. And that's mm. why this is such a travesty. That's why it stands against everything that we're trying to do in today's news talk. We could be in the dock next. Do you not find as well, um, Lambert, that it's it's strange this week? Uh, we talked about hypocrisy just before uh, the headline break, but uh, the the death of Alexei Navalny, for example, uh, in in Russian custody, the, the there's no end of coverage about that, and I mean no end of coverage about that. I, I almost vomited last night uh, as I saw Bono standing at a concert at 
pontificating about how Putin would, was afraid to say Navalny's name, but he was going to say the name. And then he started off this uh, awkward chant of Navalny, Navalny at the concert. Most of the kids there had no idea what he was talking about. They didn't pay their $150 to listen to some fat has-been Irishman. And I'm talking about Bono, not me, by the way, uh, standing on a stage uh, chanting Navalny, Navalny. said, why is he talking Russian? Who is Navalny anyway? But that's, that's what was there. I heard stories this week, you know, people asking, what about that Russian guy? What about that Russian guy? No one in the, in the public yet had said to me, what about Assange? Isn't it terrible? We're not hearing about that. We're hearing about Navalny. Very convenient that that just so happened to happen as the uh, Assange extradition hearing was happening. Some say it's a coincidence. Some might say it was planned. But hey, uh, it certainly took the attention away from uh, London this week, didn't it? Yes, all of the interviews that I did as a former member of parliament and as a very uh, publicly declared libertarian, in other words, a supporter of free speech, all of them were for foreign outlets. There were some UK-based uh, outlets for media, the old media there. But my sense, Rick, is that there's a collusion here between the state and the state-sponsored MSM, as we now call them, mainstream media. And i watched this morning i watched for hours and there's nothing at all about assange nothing and oh. i think it's because in a sense if assange is found guilty then the the, the old-fashioned media the mainstream media will be relieved because he's part of the new guard he's part of that intelligent and inquiring mindset which calls out this cabal between the media and the state, which decides what we're allowed to think. One of the ones that annoys me the most, Rick, is this climate change emergency bunkum. It's clearly scientifically illiterate, but the state-sponsored channel in the UK doesn't even think it needs to provide balance on it. And people like me get cancelled because we challenge the scientific nonsense. Now, this is in a way even more serious because we're striking at the heart of free speech. And if Julian Assange goes down, then we've all got to look over our shoulders. Because if we start saying uh, the British economy has been wrecked by idiotic environmental rubbish, they might put their hand on our shoulder and say, we're going to have to stop you now because that's not allowed by the state and the state media just won't tolerate it. No, they won't. I mean, I, I heard reports from people uh, this week as well uh, that were at certain church prayer groups, all right, for want of a better expression. But they said, you know, they were leading, they were praying for Navalny. They were praying for Navalny's family. They were praying against Putin. I said, what about, uh, what about, uh, you know, uh, what about the Biden administration? <laughs> were they praying against him? Uh, what about uh, Julian Assange? Was anybody praying for him? No, it was Navalny. Navalny want to pray for his poor family. That poor man was killed by Putin. I mean, the disconnect, and not everybody's like that, but the disconnect and the, the lack of awareness is breathtaking. And I think that's why it really underscores, it motivates me, Lambert, to do more of what I'm doing here at the minute with a little bit more fire in my belly, because despite the fact that we are making headway and we are making grounds and we are growing and we are impacting more people, there's so much more work that needs to be done. We need to double our efforts. We do. And there will be increasing resistance from the old guard as today's news talk tnt grows in status and i actually met a lot of people who see us as the more credible uh, outlet partly because 
as we are doing now, we express opinions, but we highlight them as opinions. We don't pretend these are facts. We talk about the facts. There was a trial fact uh, in the High Court. We were there, another fact. My opinion is that it will be a total miscarriage of moral justice if he isn't um, acquitted. Now, you make the point about Navalny. Actually, there is so much in the way of double standards at the moment. The incredible scene of Keir Starmer, who I regard as a very weak leader, opposing a ceasefire uh, against Gaza, where we know that the majority of people who've been killed are civilians. Uh, we've got, as I say, Navalny, which has now become a lightning rod for why we should hate Russians. But not many people seem to be talking about the hundreds of thousands of Iraqis that we killed on the basis of a false prospectus. And then there was the Afghanistan fiasco. All the time, the West sets itself up as some kind of sanctimonious guardian of the right, of, of the right, of rightness, by that I mean, as well as right-wingness, I suppose. Well, the death of Navalny, whatever the circumstances, is regarded as a test case in evil. Well, we need to remember something from the Bible, uh, that he who is that blame cast the first stone, mm -hmm. and there's nobody in the American or British administration who could cast a stone on that basis. That's correct. Absolutely right. And, and all the Bible also says before you take uh, the speck of dust from your brother's eye, take the plank of wood out of your own. Mm -hmm. You know, we have enough to deal with ourselves on personal and international levels before we start pointing the finger, all four fingers and the thumb uh, towards uh, the east or the south or the north or the west. We need to take care of our own house, set our own house in order before we start that pontification process. But Lambert, yeah. I could talk to you all morning here. Uh, it's always <laughs> easy to talk to a fellow uh, Ulster but uh, time is not our friend at the moment. Time is our enemy, so we've got to call time in this one. But massive respect to you and everybody you. else that was on the ground uh, for the last few days doing an absolutely sterling job. I've got nothing but positive feedback uh, from the live reporting that was done by TNT in London over the last few days, so big so, respect to you, yes. Sorry to add 20 seconds to uh -huh. your coverage. Please, I have ahead. an exclusive on Sunday. We believe Jeremy Corbyn, the former leader of the Labour Party, will give me an hour of his time on the Lambertopic show, and we'll hear his credo on this subject. Give us the time as well. Just uh, There's been a lot of changes this week with uh, programming. Provisionally 0900 Greenwich Mean Time or UTC, oh. 0900. We're just confirming that, but I'm pretty sure he'll be on. Okay, so check that out, people. Uh, weekends, uh, Lambert's on on the Sunday at 9 a.m. this weekend. All being well, fingers crossed, he'll have old Jezza Corbett on there uh, if all the planets align. And even if Jezza doesn't turn up, it's worth tuning in for Lambert. He's the real star of the show. Never mind Jeremy Corbett. you got to tune in for the mighty, the marvellous, the wonderful, the impeccable, the expert on all things <laughs> Lambert Obik, scholar and a judge as well, by the way. Just throw that in for good measure. I'll do PR for you if you ever need a PR guy, okay? So, Thank uh, you. Big, big <laughs> thanks to you, Lambert. Uh, we've got to take a brief break. When we come back, uh, my old chum Stephen Kelly is going to be beaming in from Sydney uh, to give us his views on what's been happening from the Australian perspective here live on TNT, today's News Talk. With his expert analysis and opinion, this is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. The phantasmagorical farce of a Soviet-style show trial in which we had verdict first and then trial presided over by Judge Arthur Engron in Manhattan has concluded. And it's a big story, not just for the absurd verdict handed down by Engron, but no, a deeper story involving Engron himself, or more specifically, how he chooses to present himself to the public. Uncombed hair, unkempt clothes, sloppily knotted ties. Basically a man who doesn't care, a man who has no self-respect. And he has unwittingly become a symbol for what ails America. We've become a slovenly nation. 
Our streets are filthy. Our subways are unsafe. People board airplanes looking like they just rolled out of bed in three-week-old gym clothes. Where's the self-respect, America? Where's the, the pride in being Americans? Where's the pride in having beautiful parks and clean subway stations and wonderful cultural amenities? What has happened to America? It's time we get our self-respect back. And those of us who are self-respecting, we need to do a better job of holding our fellow citizens to a higher standard. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for today's News Talk TNT. As a combat wounded veteran, I know how hard it is to come home and build a meaningful life. When I was in Iraq, our vehicle was hit. A rocket propelled grenade exploded right under my seat. Traumatic brain injury, a fractured pelvis, severe burns. They didn't think I was gonna make it. I had to learn to walk again and live with the scars, both visible and invisible. DAV helps veterans like LaToya get the benefits they've earned. They help more than a million veterans every year in life-changing ways. With DAV on my side, I was able to pursue my dreams. If my story can touch a heart, it can change a life. My victory is overcoming my wounds so I can help other veterans. LaToya Lucas, may your victories inspire many more. Support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Informative and engaging. Rick Munn. Rick Munn on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, uh, really happy to be joined again this morning by Stephen Kelly, uh, New South Wales, ex-New South Wales police officer with over, well, pushing up towards 30 years experience. You know what? If you hadn't have been uh, axed because of the vaccine mandates, I would now be saying New South Wales police officer with 34 years experience. But unfortunately, I can't do that because, uh, you know, vaccine mandates, wrecking people's lives. That was all part of the parcel up in New South Wales over the last four years, wasn't it, Steve? Yeah, that's right, Rick. It would have been 31 years, 31 years. So uh, this year, if I was still in the police, so... But, uh, I got 28, so I, was, I suppose I did better than most. Well, you know, you, they say over here you got a good innings. You know, in cricket, if you you know you you score a century, you've had a good innings. You had a good innings with the New South Wales Police. However, that's not to say that you were coming up on you had a lot of service behind you. You'd invested the large part of your life into that organisation, getting qualifications, doing an absolutely sterling job, and then came along came a spider, along came COVID nineteen or uh, the COVID nineteen scandemic, and that was the end of it for you because you refused to give up your bodily autonomy to take an injection that you weren't happy with mm. to keep your job and it, you know it's been a, a rough old ride for you and many many other Aussies you would think there was some light at the end of the tunnel now with vaccine mandates being dropped but some people are still being persecuted and uh, refused admission back into their jobs despite the fact that these mandates have been dropped how is that possible uh well it's 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 hard to explain really how it's still going on, but it just seems to me that there's a, a, a real persecution going on, uh, mainly in, uh, well, I think it's, it covers both the private and, and also um, government um, sectors where there, there's um, uh, many people that, uh, um, even though they dropped the mandate, still can't get their jobs back uh, because they haven't had the, the COVID vax. Um, um, you know, I know of a, a, a case that's developing 
at the moment in Australia, former police officer um, that, that used to play State of Origin. His name's Justin Paul. Um, uh, he um, exercised uh, a decision not to get it on, on religious grounds. He's a very religious uh, uh, person and um, um, he was sacked. Um, but uh, he's now trying to, to get his job back um, because he really loves being a police officer, that uh, that was, um, you know, he'd only been in the job for a couple of years before they uh, brought in this mandate. But uh, Justin actually uh, has got some great references um, from uh, uh, former uh, or current uh, rugby league uh, coaches, Wayne Bennett, Brad Arthur, and also um, from serving police. So, uh, um, so we're hoping that uh, hopefully that the commissioner, Karen Webb, if she's listening, uh, will uh, reconsider and change her position in relation to, to refusing to allow those police that refuse to take the uh, the vaccine um, back into the uh, the police force. I think it's just ridiculous that uh, they maintain this position that they they disobey the direction and therefore these police officers don't have any integrity and can't come back to the police. That's just absolute rubbish. And 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 uh, I think that the if you know. If he doesn't get his job back, the, the Premier needs to intervene and, and take some sort of action in relation to this police commissioner. But I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt that she will reconsider. Um, but I really think that um, the community is getting sick of it. The community is getting sick of the persecution that's going on um, where, you know, people um, um, are still being refused uh, uh, job opportunities um, because of this ridiculous um, mandate that's, you know, it's long gone. Yeah, uh, and that's that's what I don't understand. It's almost like that's the, the 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 government are like a dog with a bone when it comes to COVID. They just don't want to let it slip off into one of the most darkest periods of Australian history. They want to keep clinging on to it. So it's like in the UK this week, there's some documentary uh, film series has been released on ITV called Breathtaking, where, you know, it's a harrowing account of what it was like for doctors and nurses in the front line in the NHS. And it shows them with, you know, mask imprints on their faces and them gasping for air on respirators and one thing and another, you know, trying to get, you know, the public back into the public's mind again, but it's being heaped with scorn, Stephen. You know, people are asking questions. Well, what about all the excess deaths that have happened after the so-called scam? What about all the intubations that were done in people's lungs that were exploded from poor ventilation? What about the medazolam murders? What about remdesivir? What about the empty hospitals? What about the TikTok dances that were appearing of people jumping around in the back of ambulances? None of that was in the documentary. And I would dare say that none of that will be making its way onto the uh, the main stage when it comes to Australian politics. You're not going to get a review of how businesses were destroyed, how people's families were destroyed, how people's lives have been wrecked by these mRNA jabs. You won't get that there, but the mandates and uh, the persecution and the prejudice remains. It's what a mad world we live in. Yeah, and I, I just think that those in power, Rick, they, they're just too scared to... to um... Uh, except that, um, you know, that uh, uh, not that they got it wrong, but terrible crimes were committed against their own people. Um, and I think we've got to get around the whole concept that, you know, that this was a mistake and they didn't know. And it wasn't a mistake. I believe that it was intentional, it was deliberate, um, and it's consistent with the way they're acting now, that they're refusing to even investigate or look at any of the uh, 
the, the, the consequences and realities of, of what people are now waking up to in relation to these vaccines. And I just sort of think that, um, you know, if they fall on their sword and admit um, that they, uh, you know, that there was this um, um, deliberate, um, you know, um, 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 act by governments around the world to, to basically force people to, to take these unsafe vaccines, then no one would ever trust governments again. And, and, and um, you know, and the fallout from that, who knows what would happen. So I just sort of, th that explains why the, um, um, you know, that there's been no real change or no prosecutions that have come to pass in the last couple of years. And I think the media, the mainstream media, is just that all they've got left to try and keep this, this false, uh, fake narrative still uh, pushing along. You know, it's nothing to see here. But I think that the reality is that, a lot more people are waking up to, to what's going on. And and I think hopefully, not that, you know, that I want anything like this to ever happen again, but I think if they ever tried to pull something similar like that again, there'd be a lot more resistance to, um, you know, any coercion by medical authorities to tell us what to do. Yeah, it's interesting at the minute. Okay, I've got an article here that I want to reference that was posted uh, this week in Sky News Australia. Uh, and it follows off the back of uh, the government in the UK. Last week, there was a, a forum with our so-called prime minister, who's not elected, uh, Rishi Sunak, taking questions from a studio audience, one of which was a vaccine-injured guy who's actually been unlocked and loaded a couple of times. His name's John Watt, but he really gave it to the prime minister live on air. Uh, some say the prime minister was unaware of it. Some people say he just didn't know how to respond to it. But, you know, it was let out in no uncertain terms. The government have resulted in the multiple deaths and injuries of very, very many people in the UK, and they're now being cast to the side. They're not being compensated. They're not being looked after. They're being brushed under the carpet. And, you know, Sunak himself said from the, you know, his podium in Parliament the week before, I want to reiterate that these injections are safe. He dropped the effective bit off the end, but he said, I want to reiterate their safe. Now, this is published yesterday, uh, twenty no, 21st, well, yeah, yesterday. So this came out yesterday in Sky News Australia, and this is the headline. COVID-19 jobs have been linked to a slight spike. How can you have a slight spike, Stephen? You've either got a spike or you don't. A slight spike in neurological blood and heart-related medical conditions, according to the largest study to date on the vaccines. So interesting here we have, well, actually, they're not that safe because they have been linked to a slight spike in heart, blood, and brain conditions. <laughs> that doesn't sound like an insignificant statement to me. No, not, not at all. I mean, it's just... Um... It's, um, you know, there's, there's just more and more evidence, isn't there, coming out about uh, the, uh, the, the, um, the consequences of, um, you know, the, the vaccines and their, um, you know, the different, uh, you know, diseases and cancers that are, um, are coming out. And, and now that it seems that uh, more and more articles and um, studies are, are starting to find a link, um, you know, between the vaccines and, and, and these you know, these blood clots and uh, neurological conditions and, and whatnot. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I don't know how much longer um, politicians are going to continue to maintain the, the line, but it just uh, it just seems ridiculous, doesn't it, that, you know, that they're trying to find explanations uh, uh, to, to explain all the, the sudden 
incidents of myocarditis and and you know and people suddenly dropping dead, but they're not prepared to to look at the uh, yeah the, the vaccine. That that to me in itself sort of speaks volumes, doesn't it? It does, and I know recently uh, Malcolm Roberts and the One Nation Party and various other uh, Australian senators have been pushing, obviously, for a Royal Commission investigation into this. Uh, excess deaths was brought up last week, and, you know, it was dismissed effectively by saying, yeah, we know there's excess deaths, but this has already been explained, you know, we're after a pandemic and climate change is factoring into this. We don't think it's worthy of any great investigation, even though, you know, you're running a double-digit uh, percentage excess deaths above and beyond what would be expected. And in the height of the scandemic, it was, what was the mantra, Stephen? One, one death. One death is too many. One death is too many. Now we have a 10% running uh, average above and beyond. But all of a sudden, uh, if it was one death, they would be interested. But now it's tens of thousands. It doesn't seem to be so, uh, it doesn't seem to be such a big deal. What's going on with that? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, you're right, Rick, you know, um, I, I remember, you know, the press conferences that uh, we had in um, um, New South Wales every day with uh, the former Premier Gladys Berejiklian and uh, a little uh, health minister, Brad Hazard, where they were oh. scaring people left, right Kerry and centre Chant. about, you know. Carrie Chant, oh, yeah. remember Carrie oh, Chant? Chant? yes. Oh, my Unfortunately, goodness. she's still around, but... Um, um, yeah, that that, that uh, one or two deaths was just a um, you know unacceptable, and, and as you say, with excess deaths, there's there's just no um, there's no concern at all about it. You know, it's just sort of as you say, it's just a natural attrition that can be explained by anything other than the vaccine. So you know, um, and, and you know the fact that some of them are trying to link it to the um, you know the um, COVID itself as opposed to the, uh, you know, the vaccines. But, I mean, the reality is, I mean, if anyone goes back to the figures back in 2020, particularly in Australia, there was uh, hardly any, I don't think there was hardly a death from, from you know, uh, COVID in 2020. And there certainly was a, a long period in Australia where in New South Wales where no one really caught, um, um, well, the, 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 the Figures in relation to um, COVID infections was um, certainly uh, minimal, but as soon as um, um, the vaccine rollout uh, came along, all, all that changed, you know, and and it people did, were getting miraculously, and the flu disappeared. Remember, and, yeah, yeah. the flu disappeared while COVID appeared, and then COVID went the way the flu came back allegedly. And of course, this was all precipitated off the back of these PCR tests, because when we talk about COVID mm. cases in inverted commas, you know, they were run or diagnosed using these lateral flow tests or these PCR tests that were run at abnormally high cycles that would show anything had COVID. I remember in Tanzania, whenever the whole scandemic began, the then president, John Magafuli, before he mysteriously died or was bumped off uh, by agents of the state, he tested a goat, a goat, a guava, and engine oil for COVID, and they all tested positive using a PCR swab. So the engine oil from a car was COVID positive, a goat was COVID positive, and a guava fruit all tested positive for COVID. So yeah, now you know where all these uh, cases come from, fraudulent testing, hand over fist, my friend. How corrupt are these people? I mean, like on a scale of one to ten, they must be sitting at about a twelve. Uh, just as we're wrapping this one up, I mean, like, what do you think? Twelve? Well, absolutely. I mean, the whole thing's just corrupt, uh, Rick. It's just um, it's beyond corruption, really. Now it's just um, you know, 
I thought that, uh, you know, after 28 years in the police, not much uh, shocked me, but I, I, <laughs> what's gone on in the last couple of years, um, you know, I, I never anticipated that we'd be living in this uh, fantasy world uh, where the truth now is just completely, um, you know, it's irrelevant and, uh, you know, that the government's doing everything they can to suppress people having a voice, having an opinion um, and, um, you know, you know, unfortunately, um I don't know what the uh, solution is uh, in the long term, but uh, the more and more people that are being informed and educated about what's going on, I think it's a good thing. Um, it is. Because I, I, yeah. Because We're making I think ground, that- my friend. We, we are making ground. And, you know, sometimes you and I can get a little bit despondent. You know, you and I communicate off air. It's always a pleasure, you know, to communicate with you. And sometimes we'll have to give ourselves a G up and just remind ourselves that despite all the crap that's happened, we have seen a lot of wins and we are solidifying our position, uh, telling the truth, especially on a platform like TNT. We're starting to get a lot of traction here too. And the work that you guys are doing uh, in AFL uh, solicitors up in Sydney with Tony Nicklick is absolutely sterling as well. Listen, the music's playing, the drums are playing, the hi-hats, the ride cymbals, the bass drums, the toms, the snares, the guitar, the bass. It's all in my ears now. That means it's time for you to go, unfortunately. But we'll stay in touch anyway. I've sent you that article uh, from Sky News. You can have a little browse over it and we'll uh, see you again sooner rather than later. Okay. All right, Rick. I got a lovely chat. I got to bounce off too. Yeah, take care. Stephen Kelly, legend. Uh, I'll be back at the other side of the news with more magic here on Locked and Loaded TNT.